You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beat brand for heart health support. The new Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Superbeats Heart Chews Advance are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, Get a free 30-day supply of Superbeats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton to adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. everybody and welcome to wrestling with statistics this is a brand new show where we take a unique approach to viewing the world of professional wrestling through the lens of statistics analysis and everything in between i am your host ryan nightsey and with me is the man pro wrestling musings himself craig leesk craig how are you doing my friend um, as I was just saying, I'm super confident um, for our first podcast. I couldn't be more confident right now. Um, definitely not very nervous and too full of coffee. Yeah, you're brim, you're brimming. Brim, brim, hold on, I forgot the word. Brim, uh, you're <laughs> glowing with confidence. Like you'd see it in your face. Uh, yeah, we're this is a brand new show. Craig and I, we've worked together in the past, and you know, we Craig came up with this idea of doing a show, and here we are today. Uh, we got a lot of stuff for you. Uh, of course, this week on the docket, we're looking at the semifinals of the AEW TNT title tournament. Uh, of course, those matches being Cody Rhodes and Darby Allen, uh, and also Lance Archer versus Dustin Rhodes. So we're going to be looking a little bit at that. Of course, we got uh, all of these stats and numbers from Craig himself. And we're going to be diving into those two matches, um, two matches that were very well received, quite rightly so. And the two matches that were very different in terms of um, the kind of the stories that they were told and the, the numbers that you can highlight behind those stories that were told. Yeah, I think that, that's that been always the thing that 
has always grabbed my attention by what you've done over at Pro Wrestling Musings, Craig, is that this, and, and I think that's what, for me, what's interesting about the show is that what the stats, you know, obviously when we're watching wrestling matches, there's, you know, we can see the story, we see the, the, the facial expressions, the emotion, the struggle, uh, and that obviously is telling a story, right? But when you're looking at the numbers and the stats and everything, it's like, oh, there's an there's their own, its own story that's happening in all of these numbers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this kind of came from sports statistics in general, watching sports and and being able to dive deeper into whatever sports you you tend to watch via the statistics. And if wrestling is dare I say it, a form of sports entertainment. <laughs> then there should be like an alarm that sounds. <laughs> I just have I just killed the podcast already. <laughs> um, but yeah, you, can, you know, statistics. There's statistics behind everything. People people do statistics on Game of Thrones, so you can do it with wrestling. Oh, I want to look up those Game of Thrones statistics. I haven't <laughs> I haven't seen those. Let's talk about the first match, uh, Craig. First matchup, of course, was uh, Darby Allen versus Cody Rhodes. Semifinal match for the TNT title tournament. Um, a lot of interesting numbers came out of this one, and I th- there's a lot of interesting talking points to talk about it. Craig, I'll throw it to you, of course, first. What, what are some things that came out to you in sort of the numbers? Yeah, so I did some work on um, this going in, and obviously well, people will know that there were two matches before. Cody won one, and the other one was a draw. And mm-hmm. um, Cody was you know, very much people's um, favorite going in. He's higher in the AEW rankings. Um, I did some work on, like, their their rates of offense. Cody has, um, he hits more strikes and more grapples in an hour of wrestling in comparison to Darby Allen. His overall offense um, per hour is, is far higher as well. Um, but then on the flip side, Darby Allen um, is able to, Pack in more sub sub almost said subtractions and um, submissions in an hour of wrestling as well as dives, unsurprisingly. Um, but the interesting thing in their last five matches before this, going in, both were on a four match winning streak, and um, both with a lose win 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 in their last five matches. These guys have had a history, and I'm very interested to like talk about that history. It like. I remember thinking, uh, you know, very early on at their their draw at Fighter Fest is like, you know, Darby coming across as a guy that is equal footing to Cody. And it, it's still, I don't know if that's, I think maybe that the story with this match as well is that like, it appears that Darby might no longer be of equal footing to, to Cody, to someone like a Cody Rhodes. I don't know if it was, you know, there's a title match around the corner and Cody really, really wants it here. Or if it is just like Darby is coming, le- leveling down a little bit. Does that make sense? Um, okay. He, sure. Yeah, like like you said, like he he's had he's they both have had this streak of past couple matches. They're both very similar. But when we get here and we look at the you know the strikes and the strike downs and grapples of this match, um, it 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 feels very one sided. Just looking at the numbers right now, it's like. More Cody had more strikes, strike downs, dives, reversals, uh, fouls, which is, I mean, not really a benefit, I guess, to Cody, but 
he he was on top of Darby constantly. I mean, he, for someone like Darby Allen, who is known for his dives, the fact that Cody had more dive had what one dive versus Darby zero, um, mm-hmm. so very different. And also there was the whole distraction with Cody with the Brandy Rose getting injured and everything that Cody was still able to to be constantly on top of Darby. I, I, I... Yeah, yeah, I would I would agree with that. Um, the numbers here can, I think um, you've seen through the obvious um, flaw here, the match offense is 51% to 49 um, in favor of Cody, which could suggest it was equal. That's true. That's true. Uh, I'm, looking at the, I'm looking at the flow of offense right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one stat that you you told me before we started that I wanted to point out that Darby had uh what one one strike in the first five minutes of the match. Yeah. So um, so essentially what happened in this match is as you've described, Cody was on top. Um, the only reason I would suggest that Darby Allen gets anywhere near Cody's kind of offense output is because. Cody seemed to try and do a matrix out of a pin, which is something that I've never seen him do before, and then tweaked his knee, which might even suggest he's never done it before. <laughs> Maybe not the best timing. But um, Darby Allen's, the reason his accumulation of offense came from putting submissions on that knee, mm-hmm. which is usually a tactic a wrestler will use when they're kind of against it, they're struggling. And Darby did look quite desperate at times. He was he even took to headbutting um, Cody's knee um, as Cody was on the ground. So again, it, it his performance didn't reek of a man that was in the driving seat. Do you uh, do you remember what time or how many minutes into the match where Cody tweaked his knee, or would you make a rough estimate, maybe like five minutes or so in? Um. I would, do you know what? Yeah, it does look like it might be five minutes or so. I don't have that exactly, but yes, about five, six, seven minutes. Okay, so it would be it. It would make sense to say that if you're looking at the flow of offense, it changes dramatically when that happens. Yeah, yeah, like the moment Cody gets tweaks his knee, Darby takes advantage, and then Darby is able to come back, but not just come back, but basically come very close to even with Cody for the rest of the match. It, it could be argued, well, it could be very strongly argued that Cody wins it off the back of Darby Allen over, overreaching his hand. He, he thought that he had it won and overshot, perhaps. For me, I just think of like looking at the graph, like the what-if scenario of like, you know, obviously it's wrestling and there's, there's workings and all this stuff and booking and stuff. But uh, the scenario, you know, looking at it in the sports eye, the scenario of what happened if Cody did not tweak his knee, you know, then Cody probably would have easily, potentially could have easily handed uh, Darby a loss. Um, it, I, I don't know if I don't know if Cody not tweaking his knee would have helped, you know, would have helped Darby in any sense. It looks like the knee tweak is what really helped Darby get some sort of comeback in this match. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I, I would agree with that idea. And the only other thing to point out is that this is a pattern with Darby. Oh, really? Um, he, he is he is booked as this 
um, underdog babyface. He doesn't tend to get a lot of offense in his matches. Um, in fact, his his average is forty three percent. So he generally gets forty three percent of the offense in matches. So it's you know less than half, obviously. Yeah, compared to Cody, who has what fifty six percent match offense. Exactly. So those numbers almost marry up and um, perfectly. So Darby's had a good match here, essentially 49% compared to his usual 43% and restricting Cody to 51 instead of 56. Just in comparison, that 43% numbers, names of people that are around the same number as Brandon Cutler, Marco Stunt, Sonny Kiss, Chuck Taylor, like in one-on-one matches, of course. These yeah. are these are people that, you know, you know, ranking wise, nowhere close to I would say Darby Allen. Yeah, Darby Allen rarely gets that much offense. For Cody, you know, looking at his one on one, people around Cody, Pack, Daniels, um uh, who else? Who else? Uh Colt Cabana, which is also fairly new, so there's still evidence out on that. QT Marshall is also very strange. <laughs> is QT Marshall yeah. up here this high? MJF. MJF also very similarly. Kind of close to Kip Sabian. Kip, Sa- Kip Sabian, that guy, just he's, he can't shake him. Um, he's got a good record, though, actually. We're, um, I'm underselling him. Um, in straights, uh, in one versus ones, Kip Sabian ha- has a very good record. So again, Cody is, I, I, think, I think Kip Sabian might have to be like his own episode at some point. <laughs> just like looking into Kip Sabian because it's like for me he is such yeah. this wild he feels like an anomaly right I don't know he's about a you anomaly, yes he's he's much higher statistically than anyone would have put him at it's just this guy I don't know what's happening but he's so he's so well protected in terms yeah in terms of ring time and statistics he's booted very strongly it's it's interesting yeah, back to Cody Rhodes versus Darby. Of course, Cody eventually gets the win when uh, uh, he is able to reverse a pinfall attempt by Darby into sort of a crucifix pin, and even that sudden uh, flash pin, I guess you would say. Um, yeah, Cody getting a win here. Uh, you know, he's out. He outdid Darby throughout the entire match, and just Darby always working from beneath. And, you know, did not just get it. Uh, how do you feel about coding in of the victory? And it makes sense. Um, it makes sense in terms of um, where they were going. A lot of people might be, there's been a lot of chat online about Darby Allen being buried, but I think that's simplistic. All the, all the best storyline and to have long-term builds. And um, I'd like to hope that they go in a similar direction to New Japan and the, the kind of simmering Will Ospreay Kazuchika Okada storyline mm-hmm. where it looks like it's this long build to Will Ospreay finally picking up a win and that that you know that would be that would be smart here it's not something that um, American Western fans are are used to yeah that's a great point I like the idea that uh obviously eventually when Darby gets that first big win I like the idea of it being against someone like a Cody Rhodes Whereas it's like, oh, we've we've cemented the idea, like, okay, Darby is now here, you know, he's here to wrestle, he's here to play, you know, whether what when that happens, who knows? Um, but I like the idea that like Darby is all about. I mean, Darby throughout the rest of, for the rest of his career 
has always been about slowly, slowly, slowly building up up to the rankings, building up to potential titles. I don't think he ever won the Evolve title when he was in Evolve, or the heavyweight title for Evolve. Um, but uh, yeah, slowly building up Darby to eventually just—he's like a, a pot that has been on boil for so long that eventually that boil is going to overtake and just blast the lid off of the pot. Um, yeah, he's in that—he's in that group with Sammy Guevara, MVF, or the sort of Kip Sabian. Kip Sabian, yeah, the homegrown, <laughs> so to speak, MAW ta- kind of talent, and he—he looks most. Him or Jungle Boy looks most kind of underdog, babyface. You know, they need a long story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see where they go with Darby Allen looking forward. Um, let's move on to the next matchup. Of course, it was another semifinal match between Dustin Rhodes and Lance Archer in the TNT tournament. Um, looking at these things, I, I tells this match tells a completely different story than the Cody Darby Allen match, obviously. Because uh, we have wildly different competitors in in Dustin and Lance, um, what are, what are sort of the story points that showed it to you, Craig? Yeah, so going in, it was it's very different. Um, Dustin uh, was kind of win lose win lose. Archer going in three and zero. Archer's ranked. Dustin wasn't. And um, what's interesting though is Dustin Ward has better statistics for amount of offense that he'd get in. But I think that comes down to the way that. Archer wrestles that we'll um, come back to, um, come back to later on. So yeah, it was you know nobody was giving Dustin Rhodes much of a chance here. Yeah, I I I will admit myself that like looking at this match, I was like, I don't know if Dustin's Lance is looking pretty good. Of course, Lance is a new you know new person in this promotion, and but I was just like, I don't know, Dustin, it's it's going to be a, going to be a tough one here. Uh, and it was a tough one, obviously very early on in the match, Dustin Rhodes gets busted open, um, and just has to, is just bleeding out the rest of this match. Um, just looking at the numbers here, there was one that I really, there's one number that really sticks out to me, Craig. And that of course, for me was the strike downs. Um, I think that's really if you're looking for a story point, to me, that's the story point is that strike downs wise, uh, Dustin gets one strike down. Uh, Lance Archer gets eight strike downs. Uh, and if I remember correctly, uh, these are of course your stats, but if I remember correctly, strike downs are, is that when you strike an opponent and they fall down, that's <laughs> pretty simple. Yes, right? exactly, yes. Uh, just to, just to be clear. Um, <laughs> uh, and you know, comparing that to just normal strikes, Dustin gets 49 strikes, uh, Lance gets 32. So to me, it's like, oh, Dustin is on top. Yeah, Dustin has more strikes than Lance Archer. But when Lance Archer hits him, Dustin goes down. And I, I that seems to be the story for me in this match. Yeah, when you look when you look at these numbers, Dustin Rhodes, 56% of the total offense. If you watch the match, that might sound confusing. You might, you might not you know, have a memory of, Dustin Rhodes pummeling Lance Archer, and that's because that's not <laughs> what happened. <laughs> Dustin Rhodes, 2% of his strikes downed Lance Archer, whereas Lance Archer um, was all the way up there at 25%, wow. one in four downing, downing Dustin Rhodes, which makes a lot more sense. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's, there's also the aspect that, like, you know, you're looking at match offense, there's the aspect that Lance Archer as a. I guess character would be the word 
as a character, Lance Archer is a person that likes taking punishment and then converting that almost in a way to uh, dealing out punishment. Um, you know, there, there are multiple times in that match where Lance Archer is, is asking to get hit, and then when he does get hit, he's just sort of like laughing it off and then just knocks Dustin on his ass. Uh, exactly, yeah. That, and that, that's what you need to keep in your mind when you're reading these statistics. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's not just the amount of numbers. You need to look at the strike downs. Um, you know, Lance Archer asks to get punched and then laughs in his face and knocks him down. It's, it's, it seems to be how he's building his character and it's different and it's interesting. Very interesting. Also, he is just he just doesn't care about his opponents. We're looking at eight fouls, seven taunts. Yeah, he's just literally he's literally just like what was the word? Playing with his food is the way I would describe Lance Archer. Yeah, just doing what he wants essentially. Which you'll know you you will notice that from the minute he comes out uh, this week, he brought brought a random from backstage with him just to throw on the ground as he came in or in uh conversely in all of his squash matches that he was having uh a couple weeks you know weeks prior he would just come out make his entrance go into the ring boot down his opponent and then do continue taunting finishing up his entrance and and then you know undress and get ready for the match yeah yeah absolutely he he's just yeah a bulldozer plain and simple now I'm looking at the the flow of offense here, Craig. Um, you know, Archer very consistent in his offense here. It looks like. Um. Yeah. So it it looks it's a line essentially. He's very consistent throughout the match, whereas Dustin Rhodes Rhodes um, rises and falls dramatically at the end. I guess same similar question. Do you at all remember when? Dustin got busted open time wise um so that would have happened around seven minutes seven minute marker oh, that's I think, yeah okay, so it was like looking at the looking at the stats here it's basically is you know Joe, I think that happened around three or four minutes actually I think it was very early three or four you think yeah that's that's interesting. Yeah, it's Dustin. Dustin and Archer are very even. Then Dustin gets busted open, and then it's just like, you know, just trying to fight or whatever, just trying to go yeah. down. Yeah, I, I think yeah, for cool. me, one of the story, another story point about this match is that this match really much, really much, really is about Dustin's heart and Dustin's determination to try to overcome uh, Lance Archer, despite bleeding from the skull, uh, despite. Um, despite his opponent, of course, Dustin just kept trying. Kept was what's the phrase he uses? Keep stepping, just keeps working, keeps tirelessly mm-hmm. working to try to try to get some more offense in. Try to keep fighting him, trying to keep keep downing him. But whenever you know, it's just Lance playing with his food. You know, he's playing with a dying animal essentially, and just knocks him on his ass and then takes him out with the ABD <laughs> claw. Yeah, essentially, um, the, the graph the graph kind of backs up everything you just said there. They start even, Dustin gets hurt, it, you know, it slumps down as he's kind of taken advantage of, and then he has a second wind, mm-hmm. gets you know the most 
uh, the kind of biggest spike in offense of the match. And then eventually it's just overwhelmed by his behemoth of an opponent. Okay, so what else is there to say about Lance Archer, Dustin Rhodes? Of course, at the end of the match, uh, you know, was it QT and Brandy considered throwing in the towel, but Cody sort of refuses? Or was Cody refusing? Hold on, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, Cody, Cody refuses, and then Lance takes the towel out of Cody's hand and throws it away mm. so that he can continue um, beating up an old man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, <laughs> that is correct. Yeah, I, I also I think outside of stats, uh, there is. Uh, I just want to make a point here that there's like there was that yearly, the 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 Dustin Rhodes bleeding from his head, and was a call obvious callback to Double or Nothing last year yeah. with Cody versus Dustin. Then of course you have the towel being a callback to both the Jericho Cody match and the MJF Cody story. Um, all it's sort of all culminating into this one match where Dustin just gets his shit kicked in uh, by Lance Archer. Yeah, Cody likes Cody likes towel stuff. He um he he there's a bit which matches that um Kenny Omega versus is it a Kazuchika Okada match? I believe it was I believe it was the, was it the Dominion. Two out of three yeah. falls match. Yes, I think, I think it was. Yeah, so yeah, he's you know he's got a thing about towels. <laughs> yeah, you, you you know you can take the guy out of the south, but you can't take the south out of the guy. Does that make sense? Uh, anyways, there's yeah. there's one other stat um, matrix uh, scatter plot here. I want to pull up here real quick mm-hmm. to sort of just talk about some other things. Um, you you made this sort of a scatter plot here, Craig. Average offense percentage versus win loss record. Do you just want to run us through what we're looking at? Yeah, so we were referencing this before when we're so this is essentially um a comparison of um AEW wrestlers, the amount that they win um again versus their average offense percentage of the match. So for example, um we were talking about uh, Cody earlier, he in his average is fifty six percent of possession, and he's plus six in terms of wins and losses. Mm-hmm. And the reason that is interesting for this match we've just spoken about, um, Archer Lance Archer gets forty four percent of the offense in a match, which kind of goes against the the image you'll have of him in your head. Mm-hmm. And it's even more interesting when you compare him with Brody Lee. They've been booked very similarly, but Brody Lee gets 85% of the offense in his match. Wardlow gets 73% of the offense in his matches. So we've got these two big, big wrestlers that are being presented as unstoppable forces. And yeah, they're dominating matches. And then you've got Archer, who is presumably the quintessential um, unstoppable force with only 40% um, in a match. Yeah, it, it goes back to the idea that like Archer is someone that is playing with his food whereas someone like a Brody Lee someone like a Wardlow they are just going in and doing absolute destruction. Archer is coming in, he wants to fight, he mm-hmm. wants to, you know, he, he likes and he's laughing at it, he, he gets joy from getting hit um, yeah. he likes taking that offense uh, and that, that does obviously uh, you know skew his numbers down because he's asking for to be hit 
Um, whereas Brody yeah. Lee is like, Brody Lee's not asking to be hit. He Brody is out there to just destroy people and get some more cult members, really. Um, yeah, yeah just... absolutely. Um, which kind of builds the, it kind of builds the mystique around Archer at this point. You know, mm-hmm. Brody Lee, 85% of a match. So if you're a wrestler, you just need to find a way to get your stuff in um, as your, I don't know if that's plan, that's plan one. Plan A, um, Archer. People are already getting their. They're already, you know, putting things on them already. What What's the next? You need to come up with a more sophisticated plan. You need, to, you know, it's not just about being fast or getting to him. It's about doing something that can actually affect him. That's a great segue into the next topic here. We're, I want to look towards that Cody Archer. Of course, that is the finals uh, out of these semifinals. Cody versus Archer taking place for the TNT title at Double or Nothing. Uh, that's a great talking point there there is that archer is someone that takes a lot of offense he's letting people get their stuff in he's literally asking for it as someone you know looking at this cody has 56 percent average offense archer's 44 cody has does a lot of strikes cody gets a lot of offense in but versus an opponent like lance archer who takes absorbs a lot of punishment do you think cody will have any sort of advantage heading into that match well the numbers actually marry up perfectly um cody his average is 56 percent of the offense whereas archers is 44 um so archer has already been winning matches against opponents that typically give out 56 percent of the offense oh so, yeah um, if you're you know looking for OCD stats, uh, there you go. Um, I, that, that, I felt I felt the connections in my brain fire together when you said that, and I was like, oh no, that's uh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, what what does what on earth does Cody do? Um, that's you know that's that's the the that's the the only question here really. Um, the other thing that you might like to point out is that people seem to be kicking out of his finisher. Oh, Cody's, yes. Um, I That was a, a thing I was noticing, is that Cody... Cody has... Obviously, Cody has a lot of finishers. Obviously, the Crossroads is his main finisher, but of course he has the figure four lock. Um, he's also, what, I believe he's had... He's used the Cody Cutter to win a match. Uh, mm-hmm. along with, I believe, a roll-up at some point as well. Uh, it was a trend I was also noticing for a little bit, is that you know early on in his promotion, Cody Rhodes was just using one crossroads to win a match. And then at a certain point, believe it was the Chris Jericho match, where Chris Jericho might have been the first person to kick at a crossroads. I'll have to double-check that. I, I would have to double-check that. Yeah, I would I would have to double check that. I'm not entirely positive, but um, then it be- it became this thing that then all of a sudden in the new year, Cody is now using two crossroads to put in his opponent. Um, you know, whether it be uh, a Kip Sabian, whether it be um, uh, a Jimmy Havoc, uh, uh, he's using two crossroads to put down his opponent. Just it almost feels he, like I think he might have used three against Kip Sabian. Oh, are you, prote- be, are you protecting sorry, Kip Sabian even be, more? <laughs> not be that guy, but if I don't say it, then somebody will. What are we protecting Kip Sabian even more? Are you three? No, no, if, you, if you go, if you go onto like wrestling Twitter and you say a stat and it's wrong, people get like really upset. 
that's so hey yeah that's so funny um but point being is that in the new year maybe it's the the addition of Arn anderson they've been looking at the numbers and they're like oh let's just hit him with two crossroads and then i'll pin the opponent uh, and it became even prevalent even more in the Darby Allen match where Cody hits one crossroads, goes for the pin, and Darby kicks out of it. Um, yeah. It, it's now, there's this there's evidence suggesting that um, one crossroads is not enough. You know, if you're looking at, if you're looking at the Cody Archer match, he might have to hit two crossroads, and I fear that even hitting two crossroads might not be enough against a person like Lance Archer. Yeah, so um, to just throw the numbers in there, Cody has hit more finishers than anybody else in 2020, which, you know, isn't that surprising because he's often throwing two or three of them into a match. Um, 11 finishers this year compared to Pax 8 and John Moxley's 6. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he, he, is, he is throwing them around. Um, it's... I don't know what they're doing with that. I, they must be they must be changing his finisher because he hit Sean Spears. I can't remember if it was two or three that he hit Sean Spears with. I think it must have been two. I think believe two. Yeah, yeah, and then Spears kicked out, and it wasn't the title match. It wasn't a, a main event of a pay per view or anything. It was it, you know it was a tournament match on Dynamite, but um, he then he then finished him off with the figure four. So I don't know if they're changing his finishing move. Um, MGF might take it and it will just be called the double crossroads and Cody will do something else perhaps. Um, that would be my guess. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. It'd be definitely interesting to see where that sort of goes. At the very least, they're establishing the idea that the crossroads is not a wholly effective finisher, which yeah. is interesting. Um, it needs to be done twice. It needs to be, you know, a lot of people kick out of it the first time. It's not really the, you know, versus a a finisher like the one-winged angel, obviously. Mm -hmm. You know, you could count on your hand how many people have kicked out of the one-winged angel. And many of those people are, I think, just Okada. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, it's like not many people have kicked out of that move. And Um, the one-winged angel, I believe, um, has been kicked out of once. It was by Ibushi in DDT. I think that's right. So, so we got Abushi Okada. I don't think Okada's kicked out of it. I thought he did. I thought I thought no. he in the. I, I I swear I thought he. I thought Okada um, was the first person. Oh, not first person. Sorry, even I'm being um, stubborn. So I think what was going to happen with that was that Okada was going to kick out of it in the fifth match. So apparently, what was going to happen was Omega was going keep the title against Tanahashi and then would go on to do the America show where Okada got the title back of Jay White and Okada was going to beat Omega in that match. And I would guess that Okada would have kicked out of the one-winged angel in that match. I will admit, I will say, I am double-checking online because I swear, I swear he did it. But I'll double-check it. I'll double-check it later. Um... Yeah, so any other thoughts looking at Lance versus Cody? Uh, I, the big point here for me is, you're right. I mean, Archer has defeated people who have given him 50%, 56% offense, the exact average offense percentage that Cody has currently. 
obviously, you know, we're still a little bit, a couple weeks away from uh, double or nothing. So I guess those numbers could change, but it doesn't look good. Numbers wise, it does not look good for Cody. Are we, are we expecting, um, uh, you are showing me a, a picture. Um, never kicked out. God dang it. <laughs> God dang it. I, I swear I remembered. Although I'm sure, I'm sure Ibushi has, I'm sure I've heard that, but it oh, was like way back in BDT. It may be, maybe it wasn't Okada kicking out of the one winged angel, but rather him putting his foot on the rope. During well, that, the match? Might be, that might be right. Yeah. That might be what I'm thinking of. Um, I, I, either way, uh, Cody versus Lance Archer, a lot of different stuff up in the air. Interested to see how the next couple weeks set up that match. Uh, but yeah, I, I would say right now, my favorite based on the numbers is probably Lance Archer. I think I would imagine he's the favorite. The other thing to highlight with Cody in his favor is that he's really been picking up steam in recent weeks. And in fact, is chipping away at John Moxley's kind of dominance in the the men's division. And Moxley is nine for nine in 2020. The closest um, in male singles matches is Cody, um, who's eight for one. Yeah, well, let's talk about let's talk about these rankings real quick for the 2020 league standings, uh, according to ProWrestlingMusings.com. Uh, like you said, Moxley nine and zero, Cody eight and one. I assume that one is Lance Archer here. No, not no, Lance no, Archer. No. Who am I thinking of? No, Cody lost to MJF. MJF. Cody lost. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. How can I forget? I can't. Um. Yeah. So who else is in the in the top five here, based on your standings? Um. So following following Cody is Kenny Omega, who's won four singles matches since um, Hangman Page. Decided to stay home. Good for him. Um, followed up by Lance Archer and Brody Lee, who are both um, 4-0, uh, making up your top five. You've got Jake Hager, Sean Spears just outside, MJF, Darby Allen, Wardlow, rounding out the top 10. I, obviously, a lot of those numbers uh, sort of being helped, padded a little bit by the fact that we had this this round of tapings. You know, obviously, yeah. Cody, 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 Omega was doing a lot of singles matches. Archer, Lee, Brody Lee, obviously, Sean Spears, all guys that had a lot of uh, matches, a lot of chance to pick up a lot of wins in that last round of tapings. Um, interested to see who potentially, potentially, now that we're getting people coming back, like an MJF, like um, I don't know, a Matt Hardy, I guess. Now that we're seeing that these people come back, interested to see how they pick up wins heading into double or nothing, especially who potentially could be Moxley's next challenger. Yeah. And the, the other one that's the, one of the people that you're, that could fit that bill is pack packs down in like 13th. He was um, always in the top five mm-hmm. for the AEW rankings before all this happened. Yeah, I, I would have. I, I think you could have maybe guessed that it would have been maybe MJF or Pac under normal circumstances. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. obviously, Pac is out of the picture for however long right now, uh, yeah. sadly. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm very interested to see how that shapes up. Um, moving, looking at the women's division, I, I think it's pretty obvious who the next challenger is going to be for that women's title. You know, you're looking at number one, Hikaru Shida, 
seven wins, one loss versus the who's the champion right below her, Nyla Rose, four wins, one loss. I mean, she does challenging for the title, right? Uh, surely, yeah. Um, I um, I did a written piece for somebody we uh, a while ago, and um, we were talking about how the AEW rankings worked, and my my biggest sticking point with them was that the rankings felt arbitrary. They just kind of used them. Um, they they used the rankings to justify what they wanted rather than um, getting what they wanted by working the rankings. So, for example, every time um, Chris Statlander got a title shot, she'd kind of jump up to the top of the rankings without winning too many matches, mm-hmm. whereas Hikaru Shida had been top of the rankings a couple of times and had just never got a title shot because that week the number one contender just wasn't getting a title shot. So it felt very arbitrary. So if they don't give Hikaru Shida now a title shot now, their rankings are done. <laughs> completely, completely just done. There's, there's also... The SmackDown 10 kind of situation. <laughs> oh, yeah. What was the SmackDown 10 was, what, three weeks? I think is what I they did. One. I think it was one week and they gave up. God. Yeah, uh, to talk about Chris Statlander. Yeah, I I do remember thinking that like, because also Chris Statlander, she debuted and then had several matches on Dark, which, um, you know, sort of helped pad. I, I don't. I keep saying pad, but help. You know, she uh-huh. added more wins against people like Diamante, uh, Swole, um, just a couple people that were like they're not really contenders right now. Just so it just mm-hmm. helped Chris get up into the. A quick, sh- quick shot up into yeah. the number one ranking. I think we need to do something with that as well. Like, there's too much. And um, when you look at the tag rankings, um, top rank for AEW is um, Dark Order, five matches, five wins. But those have all been dark matches. Like, it feels like it needs to be a case of when you get onto the rankings, you're only competing against other teams on the rankings otherwise you know if you want to say we're going to use rankings because we want it to be sports based and we don't want to insult your intelligence then then begs the question yeah but when you say you don't want to insult my intelligence how intelligent do you think i am (laughs) if you think you can you know use backdoors like dark versus jobbers it there is the counter argument about well those are still wins, right? Mm-hmm. I, I see what you're saying, and that, but I'm just playing devil's advocate here. It's like yeah, well, Dark Order, it, they still have five wins. Yeah, they're against people like, you know, Sean Spears and whoever, <laughs> you know, whoever, the, wow. the wrestler of the week, or, you know, versus Strong Hearts or TH2 against people that are very low on the rankings. But at the same time, there are still wins um, on sure. the the yeah. B show. Um. So yeah, I I I see both sides of the arguments. It's like they're they're still winning, but it's like they're these wins don't really matter. I I I think that's the hard. That's the the caveat to the thing is like wins that matter yeah. versus wins that are just wins. And I I do agree. Um, I think if you're doing a sports based thing, you kind of win. A win needs to be a win. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's. Depends how complex you want it to be, um, but it could just be like people on dark fight against people on dark, and then you get promoted to dynamite. I don't. It's... The the regulation league. 
Well, yeah, how convoluted do you want it to be? It's, it, it just, you know, that dark order stat sticks out, five wins, but they, they haven't beat, you know, they haven't beat S. Oh, no, they did beat SEU, I suppose. Yes, I believe that might have been their only non-dark yeah. win. Yeah, they've certainly not beat Young Bucks, Lucha, those, those kind of teams. Yeah, obviously, also asterisks, obviously a lot of, you know, it, it might be different in if, you know, the, the COVID and quarantining wasn't an issue. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Maybe they, we would have seen them have more matches against, you know, the Young Bucks and whatnot. Um also, obviously, also this upcoming Wednesday in AEW Dynamite is going to be very interesting to watch how that plays out. But yeah, I mean... See who's there. Yeah, just looking at the rankings. <laughs> yeah, seeing who's there is going to be a big, big thing. Because uh, there's the aspect of that, you know, we have the tag match coming up, which is uh, Kenny Omega versus Matt Hardy. Where's Adam Page? Uh, you know, he's obviously mm-hmm. been quarantining, um, but, you know, is... Is he going to stop quarantining? Is he going to go in? It's a tough thing because it's like, obviously, I think all of these wrestlers should probably be quarantining. Um, but it's a, so it's all, it's, all, it's all screwed up. Let's start talking about uh, next week's matches while we're talking about it right now. Uh, yeah, I don't think this is really interesting because I've got a very cynical, like, what, what if they wouldn't turn that into a strategy, would they? They wouldn't tell Adam Page to just stay home so that they can say he's refusing to come in um, as a baby move. As a baby move. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I uh, It's tough because I, I could see easily see WWE doing that. Mm. Um, I.e. look at like, oh, let's fire this guy and then have him still compete in the our NXT title tournament yeah. uh, and write a whole storyline about around that. Um, I could, you know, obviously there's that WWE brain rot of like, I could see other companies doing such a thing, but AEW, it's tough because you know, they still have a little more trust, I guess, in their audience. I, I could see I them. Could, I could also see him. He seems like somebody that would, you know, choose to do that off his own back. Exactly. That, and I think that's the big thing is that I could easily see Adam Page being like, yeah, I'm staying home. It's the smart thing to yeah. do right now is stay at home, you know, uh, I'm going to stay home. Um, I, I could, I could, you could make an argument that like, I could see AEW just being like, yeah, Adam page is in here because he's, you know, choosing to stay home for whatever reason. But cause he is sort of like, it's trying... also not like he needs to worry about his place on the cards because you know, yes. when he comes back, people, people will go crazy for him. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm interested to see what happens with all of this stuff. Obviously, there's this whole, everything that's happening in the world is very difficult to wrap the head around when it comes to professional wrestling. But uh, yeah, so uh, that is basically, I guess, the idea. Next week's Dynamite, or this upcoming Dynamite, Omega, Matt Hardy, the debut of Matt Hardy on AEW Dynamite yeah. in her match versus Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, the, the Les Sex Gods. I said the lay sex guys. I don't know. What am I doing? And a street fight, which would be very interesting to watch. Uh, what else we got? AEW World Champion John Moxley versus Frankie Gazarian in a non-title match. Cody versus Joey Janela. And the return of MJF. Any upcoming thoughts about these matches? Um, just, have you have you noticed? So, um, it's less sex gods because um, he's the Spanish god. But Le is... French for 
uh, not Spanish. Yes, uh, it's um, the perfect nonsense heel <laughs> stuff that Jericho is known for. Being like, yeah, uh, you know, Le Champion, which is French, Spanish gods. You know, we're just going to put them all together, because why not? <laughs> and is it going to annoy someone? Yeah. Probably. Well, guess what? I just worked them, because I'm the heel. It's like, oh, dang it. You were, you, yeah, no, great. You got me, you got me through, through language. You've upset me through language, Chris Jericho. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, I, I'm excited to see what sort of things happen. Obviously, with people returning um, in a live show format, I presume at Daly's place. Um, I'm interested to see what sort of happens. Uh, it, I do understand that they, I, I looked into it, uh, it, is a combination of their do, li- doing live shows and taping some matches, not just for Dark, but uh, I believe they are taping next week's show and then they're taking off and then they're doing a live show the Wednesday before Double or Nothing and then Double or Nothing is live. And then after that, okay. after that is, who knows? I guess. Um, I think yeah, as of right now, I think it's a who knows. So yeah, I'm interested to see where this all heads with people coming back. Where you know, obviously, place some places opening and everything that's happening in this world. Obviously, taking all of a grain of salt. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see what this extra dynamite's gonna be. Obviously, they're sort of gonna be shaping up double or nothing. Do you have any picks about who uh, potential matches can be a double or nothing based on these numbers, based on these rankings? Yeah, so um, obviously it, it just, I've been trying not to say it, but I'm going it, to, it, it shouldn't be happening. It's madness. Um, I'm a teacher. I'm not at work. Um, I'm probably not going to be at work for the next month, two months, and some guys need to put on a wrestling show. It, it shouldn't be happening. That's not to say that I don't thoroughly enjoy it on Wednesday. I do. It's a fantastic escape. Um, it, it really, really is. Um, I'm really interested to see Cody um, Cody versus Janela. Is that right? Correct. Is that, right? is that correct? Yes, Cody versus Joey Janela. Yeah, because yeah, Moxley has somebody else. I think I'm mixing the two of them up. Moxley, um, Moxley is against Moxley is against Frankie Kazarian. Right, right. So I would imagine there's going to be some kind of interaction between Archer and Cody, or Cody and um, Jake Roberts if he's there. He probably shouldn't be. Should not. <laughs> um. Yeah. And Matt Matt Hardy in the ring will be interesting. Uh, obviously, it's a bit controversial because he's done some good stuff and some iffy stuff, to put it nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of forgot it was happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I sort of agree with you that uh, there there's the aspect of like whether or not wrestling should be happening right now. And it's like, yeah. but I've, looked, I've read a bunch of stuff and I looked into it and it's very tough because it's like, there is... There is the moral, ethical quandary of this shouldn't be happening. And because we have to be staying home, the only way to get rid of the virus is to stay home, to you know, stay protected, uh, flatten mm-hmm. the curve, all this other stuff. Um, then there's also the sense that, uh, the financial sense, sadly, that you know, AEW has these contracts. 
they don't have the back catalog that the WWE network is where they can just put on old matches, right? If they don't if they don't do a live TV show, if AEW doesn't do do a a T or a, a TV show, doesn't put out something, is AEW gonna be around anymore? I mean, that's that's my concern. To me, it's also like you've got to talk and figure out these contracts because obviously there's probably no pandemic clause in these contracts. Um, there's no social distance clause in any of these TV contracts. So. There's a thing of like I'm worried about like you know if they stop wrestling is AEW gonna lose their TV show and if they lose their TV show then they're pretty much shit out of luck because they can't sell any tickets anymore for however long it's all it's all it's all screwed up it's so screwed up right now especially in America obviously especially America yes yeah um I saw I saw a good a good um quote on Twitter that was. America is the world's Florida. What's funny is I haven't... That's not the first time I've heard that quote. Because I've heard that quote when it's come to <laughs> non-quarantine, non-pandemic related ideas. Just right. just oh. America's just like... It's just like we're tired... Of, I saw a tweet today that was like, we're tired... It's only for America to be tired of the coronavirus and then just go back to work and be like, yep, yeah, it's over now. We're just going to go back to work and just... <laughs> it's whatever. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's the world we live in, sadly, easily, especially the world I live in, I guess, um, (laughs) being the one that lives in Georgia, uh, one of the multiple states that open up prematurely. Hi, um, yeah, yeah, Yeah. on the wrestling side of things, it's just, everything's very interested. Like you said, I do like watching AEW Dynamite. Uh, I think AEW Dynamite um of of you know versus other wrestling shows that have been put out whether it be wwe stardom um whatever else shows that have been put out with no fans in attendance i really enjoy how aw dynamite has, is doing it in the sense that they have like a faux crowd cheering and stuff um uh and that for me that's helped out a lot it's the best version of it yeah absolutely yeah i i think that's what i really like the most about what they've been doing is that you know if we can't have fans let's just make fans i guess in a weird way out of our wrestlers my favorite tweet i've ever seen about all this stuff was um it's very reminiscent and you might appreciate this especially very reminiscent of going to school and there is that one kid that keeps doing something bad and Mm -hmm. it ends up being a punishment for the entire class that's what it feels like. <laughs> just like yeah. it's like, come on, guys, just stop yeah, going yeah, to the never. beaches, and then we could all be okay. Oh, oh those beach photos are crazy. <laughs> oh, did you see the one about uh the the one guy, that one lawyer that showed up dressed like the Grim Reaper? <laughs> yes, that was funny. Yeah, it's just like, oh my god, I, it's like I can't what you're saying, my man, but <laughs> just really beating the you know nail over the head there i love it but also come on man you're also out yeah it should still also be inside <laughs> yeah, it's like everyone should be inside yeah you know well uh you know it all sort of sucks you know but uh, uh i you know i keep telling people all the time you know one day at a time I, there's a lot of people out there that were getting tired of it and i understand why you're tired of it we're all sort of tired of it but just keep staying inside uh at the very least wear wear masks 
wash your hands consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to get through this together. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This, was, of course, was our, our first episode. So thank you so much for listening to it. Uh, I guess we'll be back next week for more conversation, I guess, Craig. Um, we'll be back uh, next time for more conversation, more st- stats, more analysis about what's happening in the world of professional wrestling. Craig, uh, what do you have to promote? Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you very much, Ryan, for taking the lead on this and hosting. Um, excellent job, as always. Hopefully, um, I in particular will get better at doing these kind of things as we as we go. Um, if you have enjoyed the content of this podcast, please check out prowrestlingmusings.com where you can find everything that we've spoken about there the point of the site is that it's uh, looking at wrestling in a sports orientated way. There are league tables, match reports, and feature pieces that kind of explore trends or what's going on in particular matches. Uh, and of course, you can find, if you want a quick link, all of those links about sort of what the tables and stuff we talked about are in the description of this podcast episode. So those, you know, those, those rankings those uh those graphs those average offense percentages versus win-loss records all that stuff you can find in the description of this episode uh so just go down there and take a click and take a gander why don't you uh you can find me at hit the books pod uh of course that's pro that's you know where you're listening this feed from uh so why not subscribe while you're at it of course by subscribing you will be helping out promoting the show even more um and uh more people will be able to find it especially if you leave a review uh just leave a review we will greatly appreciate that uh there's not just this show on this podcast feed there are a bunch of other shows uh of course every friday i put out a show uh hit the books uh which is a realistic fantasy booking podcast smackdown versus raw where us two hosts uh go head to head in presenting our various cards of smackdown of raw going head to head and you, the listener, can vote and decide which card was better. And uh, that card will then get to mess with the other person's card next week. Anyways, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Follow at HitTheBooksPod on Twitter, along with at Pro Wrestling Musings on Twitter. I believe it's at PW Musings. Am I correct, Craig? At PM Musings, yeah. At, at PM Musings go follow that today leave a review subscribe to this podcast thank you everybody so much for listening to wrestling with statistics we'll see you next time have a great day